Hey everybody, hope you're doing well on this Monday. It is to the point. Boy, do we have a lot to talk about today. The NFL is completely back and I am overjoyed. NFL overreaction Monday is back here on to the point. We got an awesome Monday night football game tonight between the Bills and the Jets. There was a crazy UFC fight this weekend that I can't believe. I'm still trying to process how Sean Strickland defeated Israel Adesanya. Texas beat Alabama in college football. Coco Goff's a major champion. Novak Djokovic won his 24th, like somebody predicted like three weeks ago. No no big shocker there. But I'm going to try to talk about lots of stuff today. But we might only talk NFL, but that's why we have Tuesday. And you move on, and we'll talk. We'll, if I don't touch on anything today, we'll talk about it tomorrow. That's a great thing about content. I saw Quinn Hughes was named a captain this morning. Definitely not going to get to that today. So we'll bookmark it, and we'll talk about it later in the week. So that's what's going to happen, because there's a lot going on in the sports. And that's the best time, because you have so much to chew on, so much to talk about. Now, every week in the NFL, I try to find a theme. What's happening? What were the big takeaways? Is there any things connecting one another? And I'm thinking about yesterday and going through it. And my overall thought is, who the hell is actually good? Who's a good team in the NFL? It's one game, but through one week, Patrick Mahomes lost to the Detroit Lions. Joe Burrow didn't throw 100 yards against the Cleveland Browns. The New York Giants didn't score a point against the Dallas Cowboys at home. Let's think about this. The Chargers defense couldn't stop anybody, and they revamped it in the offseason with a new defensive coordinator. Who the hell is good here? There were teams that won yesterday that I don't think played all that well. But they won. There's one team that I will put above the rest. We'll get to that in a second. Who the hell is actually good? And what happened that led to this? I would say the two most stunning results of the day for yours truly was San Francisco and Cincinnati. I thought San Francisco was going to lose in week one. I own that. I take that on the chin. It was a take I had. I just looked at the game. I thought it was a really good betting proposition. And I couldn't have been more wrong. The Pittsburgh Steelers, at home, in front of a crowd that's excited, looking forward to a season where they might have an offense that looks competent, completely laid an egg. Kenny Pickett was not accurate. Their defense was not physical. Their linebacking core couldn't have played much worse. And they ultimately lose 30-7 to at home. And Brock Purdy had one of the better days in the NFL when it comes to quarterbacks. He couldn't have played much better, quite frankly. Kenny Pickett, 31 for 46, 232, one touchdown, two interceptions. Awful. Awful. Not to mention Deontay Johnson left the game. One of their best receivers. They didn't get 50 yards rushing for the entire day. 
they came out flat, and that's a stunning thing because it's the Steelers. Mike Tomlin, tradition, tough team, and they had no answers for San Francisco. If you had to predict a Super Bowl team after one week, it would be the San Francisco 49ers because they were head and shoulders above every other team yesterday, and that includes the Dallas Cowboys, and we'll get to that in just a minute. But they had everything going yesterday. Their offense was great. Their defense was great. Special teams, they were just put together. And I predicted they'd make the Super Bowl last year, and if they didn't get an injury at quarterback, they probably would have. Brock Purdy, there's two schools of thought on him. Anybody can be good in the San Francisco offense, so Brock Purdy is just another quarterback. Or is Brock Purdy actually really good? I'm starting to lean on the latter. He's more athletic than Jimmy Garoppolo. He has a better arm than Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he's a smarter quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo because in this system, that is built for quarterbacks. Jimmy Garoppolo still turned the ball over a lot, still made unnecessary throws. Brock Purdy has the ability to throw a deep ball down the field if he wants to, and he's got receivers that could go up and get it. Brandon Ayuk, who had over 129 yards receiving yesterday and two touchdowns. He had 1,000 yards last year, quietly. But you look at Debo Samuel and you see George Kittle and he kind of gets lost in the, in the midst of all of the talent. The kid's a star. He can do everything on the football field. He's a jack of all trades. You can use him in, in uh, jet sweeps. You can use him in the slot. You can use him in the outside. And the Steelers could do nothing with him. Yes, he may catch some third down. He caught touchdowns in the end zone, keeping his feet in. He was awesome. But the Niners look like a team that were that are ready to go on a season-long quest to get to a Super Bowl. A team that's been to two straight NFC Championship games and is not okay with mediocre results. They are not just happy that they got there. They need to do more. They need to achieve, keep going. While the Steelers look like a team they look like the team that was at the beginning of the season last year that didn't have an identity, that didn't have a whole lot of heart, that started the season lackluster and had to build their way. So I'm actually concerned about the Steelers because I think this team will find it. But to be a team that's in the, that's in the fight, to be a team that's in, in the wars, you need to be good from the beginning, because in that AFC, who the hell knows what's going to happen, but I think it's going to be difficult. The AFC East has some damn good football teams. Patriots lost yesterday. They played really well, and they should have won that game against the Philadelphia Eagles. If they didn't have a brutal first quarter, they would have won that game. The Dolphins look pretty damn good. The Bills and the Jets play tonight. We'll see. AFC, look at your own division. So, 
it's it's a long season, yes, but you need to find it early. And the Steelers don't look like they know who they are. They didn't look like they were set. They didn't look like they had a plan. They were punched in the mouth early. And after Brock Purdy's doing what he's doing, you have Christian McCaffrey, who... <laughs> 22 carries, 152 yards. They used him a hell of a lot more than I thought they would for a week one game. But he was awesome. He creates such problems for opposing teams. Because you can use him in the pass game. You can use him in the run game. Outside zones, power up the middle. He's in the slot. And then you pair that with Debo Samuel, who only had 55 yards yesterday, but it doesn't matter. You win the game. Ayuk, Kittle, who was questionable to even play, but didn't have to. The game was over, so they didn't put him in a whole bunch of snaps down the stretch. I mean, Juwan Jennings didn't get a catch yesterday. Kittle had 19 yards. McCaffrey had three three catches in the pass game, and they won by three scores. That's how efficient they were. If I had to rate the best team of week one, it is the San Francisco 49ers because the entirety of their team looked good. The Steelers, I like taking shots down the field. I want to see that offense open up, yes. But their goal for week two should be to pair offense and defensive intensity because they didn't have either. They got down in that game and their defense seemed to give up a little bit. Steelers in week two got the Cleveland Browns on Monday Night Football. That's not an easy task. That's a really difficult game. And you don't want to start the season 0 for 2 with two losses at home. Kenny Pickett didn't have a good game. I still like him. I think he can find it. But I was kind of on that Steelers bandwagon that they're going to be a good team. It hit the ditch. It's got a flat. We'll see if they can dig themselves out of it. Dallas Cowboys won 40 to nothing last night in New York on Sunday Night Football. You win 40 to zero and. You might think, well, how is how did Dallas not have a better game than San Francisco? I don't think they did. I think San Francisco's, the entirety of their team, were top-notch yesterday. I think the Dallas Cowboys' special teams and defense were fantastic. But I, I look at the game as a whole, that Dallas offense, oof, woof. Dak Prescott missed a lot of throws. Mike McCarthy, new offensive coordinator. They're running the ball a lot with Tony Pollard and Rocco Doddle, who had seven carries in his career prior to last night. They had some good schemes where they found CeeDee Lamb in the second quarter on that big play down the field. 
Jake Ferguson, the tight end, he had a couple drops, but clearly they want him to be a huge part of the offense. But if you can win a game 40 to nothing and still have people go, mm -hmm, was that really that impressive? That's how I feel right now. The Cowboys are a really good team. I said that before the season. I have them making the playoffs. They might win their division. It's really close. And maybe it's 40 to nothing, so it's a weird game. But Dak, 13 for 24, 143. Five yards a clip average. Yeah. Okay. No... No aggression there. Didn't really establish a connection with Brandon Cooks. Michael Gallup didn't have anything going. I just thought their offense looked pedestrian. And maybe they didn't want to put anything on tape because they had such a lead and they thought maybe that's what happened. They do have the New York Jets on Sunday for their home opener. The Jets will be on a short week, but again, that's a tricky opponent for the Cowboys. So perhaps that's that's the thinking. We don't want to put anything on tape. It worked for Texas football against Alabama. They went into Tuscaloosa and won. They played horrible against Rice. So maybe it's a game of cat and mouse. But Kellen Moore is more of a, dy a dynamic play caller than Mike McCarthy is. And Kellen Moore was more dynamic with that Chargers offense yesterday, and I don't think it's as dynamic as the Cowboys offense has the potential to be. CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, Brandon Cooks, Turbin, who, who's fun. They should use more in the backfield, in the slot. He can be used in a multitude of different ways. They have the potential to score a lot, a lot of points. But I, I worry about the explosivity, explosivity of this offense. How's it going to pair up? How's it going to work? Their defense, I have no concerns about. They couldn't have played better last night. It was a weird game because the Giants opened the game with a long drive. Daniel Jones is running the football. Saquon Barkley is getting through holes. And you go, okay, Giants are going to get opening drive touchdown. And third and two, horrible snap by their rookie center. Daniel Jones has to just sit on it to avoid turnover. Block punt, picked up by a recently released Miami Dolphin. Noah, I can't even pronounce his last name. He's got a great first name, I'll tell you that, good one. And he brings it back for a touchdown. And it just went on from there. Because the Cowboys get a field goal. Then Daniel Jones throws the ball to Saquon Barkley, which was ruled a interception, which it shouldn't be. Saquon Barkley had the balls in, in, in his hands, and yet he, Trayvon Diggs broke it up. That's a fumble, if you ask me. But NFL can clarify that one. But this is the Giants' first half. Two missed field goals. Two turnovers, both leading to touchdowns. And I looked at their team and go, who's their weapon that, who's the weapon on their team other than Darren Waller? Chris Collinsworth on the broadcast goes, well, they need to scheme Darren Waller and Oprah, and he's their, he's their secret weapon. He can't get the ball every play. 
And my concern here is you have Darren Waller, who you love, who doesn't. He's, he's awesome. He's dynamic. He's a wide receiver playing tight end. It's a mirage. He's really a wide receiver. But Saquon's a running back that they're trying to get into a better receiver. And Darren Waller, who's injury prone and came into the game injured, and he's your only option. Anybody else want to step up? Daniel Jones, you want to make a throw in the pocket instead of scrambling? He looked lost. The game plan looked lost for the Giants. It was just a, a disaster from that point. From that bad snap, they were not able to recover. And that's embarrassing. 40 to nothing at home? Your home opener? The eve of the anniversary of 9-11, which is today? 22 years ago, which is crazy? Time flies, thankfully, for everything in life. And you can grieve and, and move forward. And don't get me wrong, the Dallas Cowboys made life difficult in Daniel Jones. Micah Parsons tore him up. My guy, Doran Armstrong, getting through the middle. Mozzie Smith in the, in the run game. Didn't allow anything to happen. Because there was a few times Daniel Jones scrambled for first downs in the first quarter, and I'm going, why aren't you spying him? I'd have a linebacker every game, and I'm spying Daniel Jones. That's my job. I'm following him. If he wants to break outside, I'm getting him in coverage, and I'm not letting him break off a big run. Because I don't trust Daniel Jones to make a big throw. I don't trust Daniel Jones to be a great pocket passer because he's never proven to be one in his NFL career. Dayball said, use your athleticism. We're going to run the ball more effectively than any team in the NFL. we got one of the best running backs in Saquon Barkley, and we'll get by by doing this. With Darius Slayton, Isaiah Hodgins. And they got to the NFC Divisional Round to their credit. But when you're a one-trick pony and your quarterback is what he is, there are quarterbacks... Quarterbacks, pardon me, that are athletic, and then there are athletes that are that are playing the position of quarterback. I think Daniel Jones is an athlete playing quarterback. He's really fast. He's really dynamic. All of these things. But he's not Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson can sit in the pocket, throw a deep ball down the field. I We've never seen Daniel Jones do that. If he tries to do it, it doesn't go well. So the Giants thankfully get Arizona in week two, which is exactly the team you want after a bad loss. But for them, you you got to find just a consistent way of playing offense. And I don't think they ever have that. Yes, and they went on that run last year, but I don't think it's going to work again. I don't think it's going to work again because I, I just don't trust Daniel Jones to get you there. People lament Dak Prescott, who are Cowboys fans. Dak Prescott's a much better quarterback than Daniel Jones. He's more effective. He's more consistent. He makes these more clutch throws. He is He's a quarterback who can use his athleticism when he needs to. 
So I think the Cowboys are good. I don't know if their offense is yet. It might take some time because, to be fair to them, there were a lot of bad teams playing offense yesterday. There were, across the league, the offensive games, whew, defense won yesterday. Or bad offense lost. Maybe that's the better way of phrasing it. Because there weren't many teams that look really good offensively. Dallas won 40 to nothing. They didn't look good offensively. The entire game. Teams might have put up points, but you get a score defensively. You get a short field. You got to watch the whole game to find out. I mean, if you watch the Titans and the Saints, that was the shit game. No team played good offensively. Both every both teams were bad on special teams. They both had a turnover on special teams. Ryan Tannehill had three interceptions. They couldn't do anything in the Bayou yesterday. But one team had to win, so the Saints get the W. Dallas is good. To answer the question of the day, who the hell is actually good here? I do think the Dallas Cowboys are good here. They're a good team. I don't know if their offense is yet. And I want to give Mike McCarthy time to try to implement new things and show something creative because week one, you get the win, you're on the road, you're happy about it, but their offense did not impress me whatsoever. Other teams. There were lots. Got to talk about the Bengals. I thought a smart bet for the weekend was the Cleveland Browns to beat the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow entered the game 1-4 against the Cleveland Browns for his career. And they're really the team he has his worst numbers against. And it got worse and worse yesterday. Joe Burrow might have played his worst game of his NFL career yesterday. That was Nathan Peterman-esque. 14 for 31, 82 yards. A two-yard average for the game. Wow. He couldn't complete a pass down the field. He was throwing the... The Kareem Abdul-Jabbar sky hook. That was his pass play the entire day. Dump it off, throwing the sky hook to people underneath, and nothing worked. They they converted one third down. They went one for 15 for the game. He did not complete a pass to T. Higgins. And I think the Cleveland defense is really good, but that was something I've never seen. Cincinnati, that is, well, we got one of the best quarterbacks in football. We are going to throw. We got all these weapons. They said, okay, we got to give the ball to Joe Mixon. He's going to be our savior because our quarterback, yeah, it's raining, but it's raining for Deshaun Watson too, and he couldn't do anything. He becomes the highest paid player in NFL history. And the first game after that happens, he looks like he's the worst quarterback in NFL history. I was like, what the hell is this? He 
He's played in bad weather. He plays in Cincinnati. It rains. It snows. So this is not new to him. He struggled in week one last year against the Steelers, but not like this. Not like this, where he threw three interceptions in that game. This wasn't about turning the ball over. This was just having nothing. He didn't have the ability to throw the, the ball past the line of scrimmage, it seemed. Unwilling to take shots. And it was one of the more puzzling games for the Bengals because they were in it. It was 10-0 at the half because their defense played pretty well. Their defense kept them in the game. They made some big stops. They made a fourth down stop. Their pass rush with Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson, I thought, held up. And getting back to the question, who the hell is actually good here? Deshaun Watson. There were plays yesterday I thought he looked great. There were times that I thought, okay, that's the Deshaun Watson I saw last year. He threw an interception in the third quarter. Early in the third quarter, I go, okay, this is going to put Cincinnati right back in the mix. And if Joe Burrow could have completed a pass, maybe that could have created an opportunity. But then I see plays with him where he makes smart decisions. He ran for 45 yards yesterday on five carries. Smart decisions. I don't think he played great either. You're in the conditions. But I think his presence in the pocket was better. His decision-making, other than that interception, was better. And then... The great thing about Cleveland is they have Nick Chubb. 18 for 106 yesterday, five yards a clip. They also have Jerome Ford, who they ran 15 times. They run the ball a lot, and they're going to all season long. He's going to have chances to run the bootleg, to get into play action. And Marquise, he's got David Bell and Marquise Goodwin and Peoples-Jones. All three of those receivers can fly down the field. So if, his, if the timing can match up with that speed, Cleveland has something going. They're a dangerous team to me. Because he is all season to get better, week after week after week. And I think their defense has already improved. Jim Schwartz is a Super Bowl winning defensive coordinator, and he's now the defensive coordinator of the Cleveland Browns. You have one of the best defensive players of his generation in Miles Garrett, and they trade for Zadarius Smith with, with the Minnesota Vikings. Those two guys on both edges are a problem. Greg Newsom and Denzel Ward in the secondary were great when they had to be. When Joe Burrow wanted to throw a pass, pass five yards down the field, they were in good position. They made the play when they had to. So a defense that didn't play all that well last year, who the hell is actually good here? I think the Cleveland Browns defense is good. And they may be a little bit like Dallas, where they need some time 
to, to put it all together, to get some cohesion, for Deshaun Watson to continue to get reps and to get better, and they can hold the fort down. They can make life difficult on opposing teams. They will run the football effectively. And while he improves, while he gets better, they continue to stay in games and they continue to win games. They win a division game in week one against a tough opponent, against a team that's been to back to back to been to a back to back AFC championship games. You smoked them. You lay the beat down on the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow leads the game, and you, you look, you go, what the hell just happened? That was embarrassing. I don't care if you're on the road or not. Okay, it's raining. You weren't in it. Your offense, your offense couldn't produce anything the entire game. So majority of the game for both sides, the quarterback play wasn't all that good. But that Cleveland defense is a problem. They have some players that can get to the quarterback. They can stuff the run. Cincinnati, we wait and see. I'm not doubting Joe Burrow, but that was a puzzling game. I've never seen anything like it. The way he played was horrible. And the AFC North is difficult. Because I think all four teams are good. The Ravens get the Bengals in week two. Cleveland gets Pittsburgh. So you have division games from the jump. And you need to win those division games. Now Cincinnati has to hope for the split. But the AFC North is as difficult as it gets. I, I think I might have... I said I think I said the AFC East. I think the AFC North is the, the toughest division in football. The amount of talent and what's it going to take to win this division? Cleveland Brown, the Cleveland Browns are not a cakewalk anymore. Like they were in the past. They are a tough out week in, week out. The Ravens they beat Houston yesterday, so you can't really judge the game because Houston is not a good team. They had the second pick in the draft. C.J. Stroud didn't turn the ball over, so that's one good thing you can say if you're Houston. But as a whole, you go, we put up nine points. We didn't score a touchdown. C.J. Stroud had to throw the ball 44 times. Not a win with a rookie quarterback. We only ran the ball for three yards a carry as a team. Lamar didn't throw a touchdown pass. The offense for, for Baltimore was pretty pedestrian, like most of the league. First game with new offensive coordinator Todd Bunkin. We'll see what happens. Tough news for the Ravens, which is always tough news for the Ravens. They, have, they always seem to get injured. J.K. Dobbins running back one. Torn Achilles. Didn't participate much at training camp because he wanted a new contract. He's done for the season. Really tough break for him. So he's done for the season. Now you look around, you go, well, Justice Hill, 
who had two rushing touchdowns yesterday, Gus Edwards. The Baltimore running back room is not exactly loaded with talent. You look at Lamar and go, your rushing attack, your better receivers. Zay Flowers had a pretty damn good NFL debut. Nine catches, 78 yards yesterday. Most catches by six, most yards by over 40 over anybody else. Bateman, likely. Mark Andrews didn't play yesterday. So Baltimore, Baltimore is similar to Kansas City. Their offense is not the same when the quarterback doesn't have the security blanket. Mahomes needs Kelsey. Lamar needs Mark Andrews. They are so important to those two quarterbacks. They make important catches. They're there on third down, and they just that's who they trust the most to throw the ball to to make a big catch. But the division's tough. And also Marcus Williams, who's one of their better players in the secondary, is a safety. He might have a torn peck for the Ravens. So they might have their starting running back and their starting safety out for the season after week one. Brutal circumstance for them. Brutal. Cleveland, Jack Conklin, multiple-time pro bowler, has been an all-pro. One of the best things about Cleveland is they've won the most experienced offensive lines in the NFL. Five guys that play together. They know how to do it. Jack Conklin confirmed this morning, torn ACL and torn MCL. Done for the season. It happens quick. We look, he's their right tackle. Now Dewan Jones, he's on their depth chart as I look it up. He's the guy scheduled to come in and get reps. Still have Wyatt Teller, Ethan Piochich, Joel Batonio, Jedrick Wills Jr. The rest of that offensive line is as good as it gets, other than maybe Philadelphia. See what if Dewan Jones can settle in and play right tackle because this team looks good. They don't have a whole lot of holes, and I think their offense can continue to grow. They can be a problem. But for Cincinnati, whew, find some consistency. I mean, what the hell happened there? Hmm. Here's a fun one. Who the hell is good here? Philadelphia-New England was a was a mind trip of a game. And I touched on this earlier, but if New England doesn't have the worst first quarter, maybe other than the Giants this first weekend, they win the game. They win the game because Mac Jones actually played well. He had time in the pocket. He made some big throws. They put Kendrick Bourne on the field, like I told him to do 80 times last year. He got two touchdowns. Who knew? Idiots. They would have won the game, the New England Patriots. But they lose the game. <laughs> they lose the game because on the Patriots' first drive, Mac Jones, not a great throw, tip pass by his own receiver, Darius Slay, Pick six. 
Pick six, brought back to the house. Big play slay. He gets another one there. Next, New England drive. Pass to Ezekiel Elliott. He's got the football knocked out of his hands. Fumble recovered by the Philadelphia Eagles. They'll go down the field and score a touchdown. It's 16-0 because of a missed extra point. So 16-0. And you think, well, okay, Eagles are going to run away with this one. They were in the Super Bowl last year. They're a much better team than New England. But again, I look at the Eagles yesterday, and I leave that game concerned, and they won. Jalen Hurts didn't play well. That's like every quarterback in the NFL, other than maybe the guy we'll talk about. 22 for 33, 170. He didn't take any chances. That's what I'd say about his game. A lot of a lot of the play calling was weird with Brian Johnson because Shane Steichen's the new offensive coordinator of the Colts, so he's go, he's new uh, head coach of the Colts, so he's gone. Third and eight design run, mm, not really into that. Just I thought there was some wacky decision making. Why are you doing this? Why is there nobody down the field? New England. That defense can play. They got to Jalen Hurts. Matthew Judon got a couple sacks. They got hits on him. They played extremely well. Extremely well. In coverage, they were solid. They lost this game because they shot themselves in the foot one too many times. You're down big, and then in the third quarter, you can't put any points up. They played great in the second quarter and the fourth quarter. It just wasn't enough. Mac Jones, who nobody trusts, played pretty well, all in all. Two for 316, threw the ball 54 times, which is too much. But their run the football wasn't working for the Patriots, so they went with that plan. They allowed him to air it out a little bit. Look around. Kendrick Bourne had six catches, two touchdowns. Stevenson had six catches. Hunter Henry had five. Douglas had four. Gusecki had three. It's a moral victory, which is a rare thing to say for a for a Patriots team because they expect to win. But they haven't been a good team in a number of years. Patriots fans might not realize this or want to believe it, but it's the truth. You look at this box score, 16-0 Eagles, second quarter, 14-0 Patriots, three to rip for the Eagles in the third, and then 6-6. You lose by five. You don't even cover the number. It was four. So I look at the Eagles and go, well, the defense, pass defense wasn't all that good. They allowed New England, they allowed Mac Jones to find open receivers to make big plays when he had to. The pass rush, Mac Jones didn't get sacked the entire day. He had a clean pocket. Time to make throws. 
Jalen Hurts was sacked three times. And yet the Eagles win the game. Sometimes that's just how the NFL works. Seemed every play for the Eagles, three yards, three yards. If you average three yards and you're going to punt, you're not going to get a first down. That's what happened. They didn't take chances with Devontae Smith or A.J. Brown down the field. It was a conservative day for the entire NFL. Now, if I'm a New England fan, I don't believe in moral victories, so you lost the game. So you're upset that you lost the game. But your team looked pretty good. And you would have beat the team that represented the NFC in the Super Bowl last year if your first quarter wasn't that bad. Bill O'Brien can call plays. That's been established. He realizes that Kendrick Bourne's a pretty good wide receiver and he should be put on the field. Thank God for that. You clean up the turnovers. You continue to evolve. Your defense is good. Your defense is not the problem. Matthew Judon and your pass rushers are going to get to opposing team quarterback. They had three sacks against the Eagles, and the Eagles had the best offensive line in the NFL. Now you have the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. So I don't think they look real good. I don't like that prediction for me when I look at it and go, wow, I had that team winning the Super Bowl? It's one week. I'm not going to overreact yet. I do think the Eagles are a very good team. I think Jalen Hurts is as good as it gets at the quarterback position outside of Patrick Mahomes. I think the Eagles will put it together. Brian Johnson's first game as a true offensive coordinator. He might need some time. And going to New England in that environment in your first week and it's raining and all those things. Mother Nature was not kind to NFL teams yesterday. They wanted to make them pay. Shitty weather in Cleveland and Pittsburgh and New England in New York last night. A lot of rain, difficult rain, you had to, and they you had to wear it. I would be optimistic from a New England Patriots fan. Because Mac Jones played well. He didn't play great. He played well yesterday. And with your team overall... If your team can play well, if he can play well most weekends, I think you have a chance to win. Are you a Super Bowl threat? No. Are you a threat to make the playoffs? I think so. Because your defense will keep you in games, and if you can find a turnover, I mean, really, you look at it. They got that turnover against the Eagles where Jalen Hurts fumbled late in that fourth quarter, and they got nothing out of it. Nothing out of it. Kayshawn Booty down the sideline. He can't keep his feet in. Game over. But if you can create turnovers, 
keep Mac Jones upright, you have a chance. For Philly, keep working out the kinks, but work them out because you want to be prepared. They play Thursday night against Minnesota. Green Bay at Chicago. What? <laughs> I think Bears fans have to be pretty disgusted with the way that game went yesterday. I think you look around and go, what the hell just happened? We didn't establish a strong passing game all that well. Our new number one wide receiver had two catches for 25 yards. We were whooped at the line of scrimmage. We were whooped in the trenches. And at times it felt like the game was close, but you lose by 18. And you were a favorite at home. In the first quarter and a bit, Justin Fields looked great. And then it didn't go so well. He got intercepted, which resulted in a pick six. And what would concern me is you look across the field and the quarterback for the Packers played pretty damn well. If you're just ranking quarterbacks in week one, Jordan Love was one of the best ones. A lot of guys played poorly. Jordan Love, 15 for 27, 245, three touchdowns. Didn't have a turnover, was efficient. They were using the run game, which was effective to a point yesterday. It wasn't great, but they used it. We get the bootleg game going. He hit Romeo Dobbs for two touchdowns. They're establishing a connection. He hits Aaron Jones on a post. He breaks through, goes for a long touchdown. Hits Hit Musgrave down the seam for a big play for 37 yards. Jaden Reed's already fun. He get, got injured late in the game. I hope he's okay because I think he's a fun weapon in special teams and for that offense. But the way that Matt LaFleur used this with Aaron Rodgers, you just manipulate defenses. They think you're going one way and you go the other. You get two receivers cutting across at the same time. Linebackers get confused and you have receivers that are that are open. And Jordan Love just has to hit the target, and he did. And I think you take this with a grain of salt because I didn't think the Bears were going to be a good team. A lot of immediate media guys like Dan Orlovsky, who I think is great, he predicted Justin Fields would be in the MVP conversation. I think that was crazy. A lot of people might thought that the Bears are going to be a better team. Maybe they're going to be a better team this year, but they're not better than the Green Bay Packers. They're not on that level yet. They need to prove things. They need to go out there 
and do it week in, week out. But for a week one performance, you're on the road, you're a betting underdog. I thought Jordan Love couldn't have played much better. You're sitting behind Aaron. There's a lot of talk about it. He leaves for the Jets. You're the new guy. And every report is, Jordan Love doesn't look all that good. What are the, what are the Packers doing? Look pretty good to me. He uses his legs when he has to. He had three carries for 12 yards. He can move in the pocket to, to find guys open. He might not be a great, great quarterback, but I think he's a good one. And he's got a smart offensive coach in Matt LaFleur who's going to help him continue to develop, continue to learn the offense. And Christian Watson wasn't even on the field, who's the most dynamic of their skill position players. He returns. These two can do big things together. It's a division game, and you're on the road. And you win that game by 18, you get props for me. And if this team can continue to improve running the football, it only makes Jordan Love's life easier. Starting in uh, Chicago, they go to Atlanta. So two division games to start the year. Not the easiest proposition either. But I think Matt, Matt LaFleur this year and Jordan Love are out to prove that they're both pretty damn good. Matt LaFleur, people thought, well, maybe he's not that good of a coach. He just has Aaron Rodgers. Jordan Love is thinking, well, I'm actually a good quarterback. I'm not just some guy that is behind Aaron and people don't get to see me. So it's a whole bunch of smoke and mirrors. I think they both have a lot to prove this year. The Packers missed the postseason last year. I think they want to get back there. I think they believe that they have a chance to win the NFC North, and they want to achieve that, which I think they can. I don't know if they're a good team yet, but I know they're well-coached. And I think Atlanta's a fun test because Atlanta wins in week one, but they beat Carolina. And they win that game by 14. And Desmond Ritter only had three incompletions, but he threw the ball 18 times. Tyler Algier, 15 carries for 75 yards, two touchdowns. Bijan Robinson, 10 for 56. They have weapons, for sure. We know this. I'm glad, I'm glad that Algier is getting more carries than Bijan because he's the better running back right now. Bijan had 10 catches, sorry, 10 uh, rushes, 6 catches, had a receiving touchdown. Algier had 3 catches. Drake London went the enti- entire game without a catch. Kyle Pitts only had 2 for 44. Atlanta has the skill position players. I do not trust... Desmond Ritter yet. I don't know if I ever will. But that that game intrigues me now because I like watching Green Bay. And I want to see how 
Desmond Ritter and the Atlanta Falcons team plays against this Green Bay defense. Well, that was pretty solid yesterday. Quay Walker with a nice pick six. They have they have talent, for sure, the Falcons. And they might be better than people expect, and they play in a division that isn't all that difficult, despite the fact that three of the teams won yesterday. But that's a Week 2 game that I have bookmarked, because I think it, it'll tell us a lot about both teams. But the Saints win yesterday in what I call the shit bowl, because that game was back and forth between two teams that did not want to win, and the Saints ultimately won. The Rams upset Seattle. Did not see that coming. And they beat them handily in Seattle. Stafford, the running game, no Cooper Cup. But that offensive line for Seattle did not hold, did not play well. Again, Geno Smith, 112 yards passing. Stafford, 334. Kyron Williams had two rushing touchdowns. Akers had one on the ground. Nakua, new wide receiver. 10 catches. Tutu Atwell had over 100 yards receiving. It was something else. The Rams going to Seattle, a tough, tough place to play, and beat them with 34 rookies. Do I think that's going to hold up? No, but credit to the Rams. I had Seattle sweeping that season series, so good on them. The Raiders beat the Broncos in Denver. In another strange game, Jimmy Garoppolo does what Jimmy does. He wins. He finds a way to win. Six incompletions. One was an interception. (laughs) The crazy thing for Vegas is they didn't run the ball well. Two-yard average. Jimmy Garoppolo ran the ball nine times because he was under pressure a lot of the day. Jacoby Myers, nine catches, 81 yards. Russell Wilson didn't turn the ball over, but they couldn't produce an offense. They finished with 16 points, and you lose at home Sean Payton's debut. That's not a good start. That's a game on your schedule you kind of have to win. It's now the Broncos get the Commanders. It's another easy game to start the year, but the Commanders did win in week one. They beat Arizona, but they won. That's a wait and see with Denver. Sean Payton's patience level and how he's feeling, because I don't think they expected to lose that game in week one at home. Yeesh. But they did. <laughs> Jacksonville beats Indianapolis. If you were betting on the Colts, that one has to hurt. Close the entire game. At one point, the Colts are ahead. Anthony Richardson, first game as a pro. 
He played pretty well. Sure, he had some incompletions. But he had a rushing touchdown. He had a passing touchdown. Michael Pittman had a good day. And the offense seemed to have some cohesion. Seemed to be producing. They capitalized on opportunities. But Trevor Lawrence made big plays when he had to. Travis Etienne had a big rush. He found Zay Jones down the field. So for Jacksonville, it's a division game in week one. I thought it was a scary game. It's a tricky one. I thought they could lose it. But they get out of it on the road and you get a win. And you have Calvin Ridley with over 100 yards receiving in his first game back after a year's suspension. That's a victory. I don't think it'll be as easy of a season for Jacksonville as it was last year because I think teams know that they're good and they lost pieces in the offseason that made them great last year. But if ETN can be a better running back than he was last year, and if Tank Bigsby can grow after they took him from Auburn, and Calvin Ridley and Evan Ingram and Chris Kirk, they have some weapons there that can be dangerous, certainly. One more game till I get to the biggest result of the day, in my opinion. The Bucks beat the Vikings. No surprise here. I told you guys on Friday, I felt something about this game. For sure to bet on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, if not pick them outright. Big number. I think it was, it finished. Have it here. I'll let you guys know what it finished as the betting line. Let's see. Tampa, Minnesota minus six. Minnesota minus six. And this game just felt weird. Minnesota won the most one score games in the NFL last year. They won 13 games. And you look around and go, well, are they going to be the same team? Are they going to be as good? They've revamped their defense. Their defense played pretty well, all things considered. And Baker, it's not even that Baker Mayfield played fantastic. He missed some throws that he should have connected on early in the game, but I thought he played great in the second half. In particular, the first drive of the second half, it was over seven minutes. They're just picking up first downs. Third down, he makes a key throw to Chris Godwin. He hit Mike Evans down the field. He just made the throws he had to make. Or it would be a penalty on the defense that, that was forced. He just made smart decisions, is what I would say about Baker Mayfield. He didn't turn the ball over. And Minnesota had a chance. Late in the game, they have the ball. And they give the ball back to Tampa Bay. They'll go down, score, get a field goal. Minnesota has a chance again, and they can't score. Kirk Cousins, in a key moment, couldn't come up with a field goal to push it to overtime or to keep it going. The Tampa defense, led by Joe Chon-Shinoka and Shaq Barrett, played well. 
Tampa's got a veteran team, and I think early on in this year, they are dangerous because they're not going to want to give up. There are a bunch of guys that were in a Super Bowl a few years ago, and now they're looking around going, okay, people expect us to be bad. This team wants us to rebuild. And why would we want to do that? Mike Evans wants a new contract. They said on the broadcast, it'd be nice to play his entire career in Tampa, but it's not the be-all, end-all. Meaning, no, I want to go where they give me the most money. And Godwin is healthy again. He made some big, big catches on third down. Evans had a drop that was bad, but he caught a, a deep touchdown at the end of the of the first half. Baker's not a perfect quarterback, but if he is healthy, he can play the position. We know this. He can be adequate. He can keep teams in games. And going to Minnesota week one and get that victory, you have to give him props for that. Now they get the Bears in week two at home. Tampa Bay Buccaneers easily could be 2-0 to start the year. And then you look up and go, well, this team in the division where the, the New Orleans Saints, who are lauded for their offense, looked really bad yesterday. 16-15 to 15 win. Tannehill had three interceptions. Only completed 16 passes. Derek Carr wasn't all that much better. He made dumb a dumb, dumb mistake at the beginning of the first half and threw an interception that at least could have been a field goal. But Chris Olave is great. And Michael Thomas stayed on the field the entire game. Maybe they'll put it together. We'll see. But I would certainly say a work in progress for the Saints because that was not pretty yesterday. NFC South is wide open. Falcons win. Saints win. And Bucks win in week one. Somebody has to win the division. Now there's this. The last game we're going to talk about in the NFL. Who the hell is actually good here? Well, the best quarterback in the NFL during week one was Tua Tagovailoa. Tua wins a shootout 36-34 over the Chargers. And he left points on the field yesterday. He could have played better, but he threw for 466 yards and three touchdowns. The first drive, he had over 70 yards passing. And it ended with a fumble inside the Chargers' 10. A huge mistake. This game did not have to be that close. Dolphins with a really bad fumble. Jason Sanders misses an extra point, which I thought that was going to be the end. Because Chargers got the ball back with a minute and 45 seconds. I said they get a field goal. They win by one, but the Dolphins' defense holds up and makes a big stop. But Tua, concussions, all the talk about him in the offseason, Ryan Clark saying he's looking a little chunky, and he answered all the questions in week one. 
He made throw after throw. They used their form. They had guys in the middle of the field to get yards after the play. But he also made a lot of throws. He hit Waddle down the seam for 35 yards on a really good passing play. He hit Tyreek Hill in the end zone for a 47-yard touchdown. It was not just, okay, throw a 10-yard pass and then a guy will break it off for 30. This was Tua doing that, but also using his arm to find receivers down the field. Tyreek Hill said before the season he wants to have 2,000 yards receiving. He's not going to do that. It's out of this world, but he had a hell of a week one. 11 catches, 215 yards, two touchdowns. He's unbelievable. Kansas City didn't want to give him the big money, and they won a Super Bowl, so they're smart in doing that. But they would love him right now with the receiving core that they have. Miami said, we got a quarterback who isn't as talented as the guy that they have in Kansas City, so let's go give him an awesome weapon. And Tyreek Hill is worth every penny. In the middle, he caught a touchdown on the outside in good coverage. I mean, you look around. Wad, it wasn't just, he hit River Craycraft, who burned J.C. Jackson just before the half for a touchdown. He made a play. Alec Ingold, the fullback, had a 19-yard catch. He had two catches for 34 yards in the game. To me, something Miami still doesn't do well enough that I want to see them do better this year to really take control of that offense is run the ball better. Three-yard average for Mostert. He only ran the ball 10 times. And maybe that's Mike McDaniel. It's just we're going to pass because we have the receivers and running the ball is a waste of a down. But that would make life easier on two, and I think it even makes your offense incredibly scary to think about how we're going to stop them. Because now you let Mike Gusecki go to the Patriots. Durham Smythe is your tight end. He's going to help blocking. I think that's something they should try to, to evolve. But Herbert played pretty well in this game, all things considered. And it looked like two different quarterbacks. The problem for the, the Dolphins was they couldn't stop the run. Austin Eckler had 16 carries for 117 yards, seven-yard average. Joshua Kelly had 16 carries for 91. Herbert had a rushing touchdown. Kelly had a rushing touchdown. Eckler had a rushing touchdown. He threw one passing touchdown to, to Donald Farham. But they couldn't stop. They kept giving up big play after big chunk play after chunk play on the ground. Herbert would get key key passes when he had to. And Vic Fangio, the new defensive coordinator, his defense didn't look all that great in week one. But Dolphins normally lose this game. They lost in Los Angeles last year. They get some revenge and beat Herbert and the Chargers this time around. They're not perfect because, like it or not, and I, I, I know two Dolphins fans really well, the entire year, the, it's going to be a question mark. Is Tua going to stay healthy? It's unfair to him, but that's going to be the question. Can he stay healthy? Is he going to be upright? That will be the thought process. If he can, 
This team is scary. I didn't think they'd make the playoffs because I didn't trust him to stay healthy. When he's on the field, he's in this offensive scheme. It works perfect for him, and they're one of the most scary teams to play against because anybody can burn you. And they create matchup matchup problems for defenses that it's really difficult to figure out. And Mike McDaniel's a good play caller. And he looked like a better play caller yesterday than Kellen Moore. And I even think Kellen Moore had a pretty good day. Because look at what his running game did, for Christ's sakes. Vic Fangio's led Super Bowl defenses. Maybe you can figure that out. You look at Christian Wilkins. Jalen Phillips, Bradley Chubb, Javon Holland, Saban Howard at corner looks spent to me. They're going to miss not having Jalen Ramsey because Zabin used to be great. He's not anymore. He had a number of penalties yesterday. We go, uh-oh. Wait till they play a team with an actually great receiver. And they got the Patriots in week two. So maybe you get, you get a break there. When you start playing a team, you look around and go, okay, that guy's a problem. That's when you need Jalen Ramsey to step on the field and be that baller. But I didn't see that coming from Tua in week one. For him to play that well, he avoided big hits. He did. He fell a few times, and he, he looked fine. But an impressive win for the Fish. And Tyree kills just a flat-out stud. 215 yards. There weren't, there weren't many games where the quarterback played well. Either side. Josh Dobbs, Sam Howell, 232. Saints-Titans, Tannehill, 198. Carr, 305, but didn't play all that well. Bucks, Mayfield, 173. Cousins threw 344 yards passing. But you don't win the game. You only score 17 points. Who gives a shit? You turn the ball over. You make a mistake in a key moment. Justin Jefferson had nine catches for 150 yards. He was phenomenal yesterday. He's the best receiver in the NFL. And you looked at him after the game. He looked so just disjointed. He didn't leave the bench. They lost that game. And he goes, how the hell did we lose this? And you have to play Thursday. You have to come back and play Thursday in Philadelphia for their home opener. But that's the NFL in week one. Some injuries, some poor offensive play. It's a lot of craziness. But the Rams win, Vegas wins, the Fish win in Los Angeles. Cleveland just destroys the Bengals. There were a lot of results that you wouldn't expect to going in. And they happen because that's the NFL. Anything can happen week to week. The Raiders are leading the AFC West. Broncos lose, Chiefs lose, Chargers lose. <laughs> it's crazy time. Dolphins are in first place in the AFC East. The Giants lost by 40 at home. And we wrap up week one tonight with Aaron Rodgers' debut against the Buffalo Bills. Been waiting for this one. 
Troy Aikman, Joe Buck on the call for the mothership. This will be fun. It was a disaster in MetLife last night for the Giants. How does it go in MetLife tonight for the Jets? I can't wait to see it. We'll recap it tomorrow. But that's the Monday Night Football game this evening. What else do we want to get to today? College football. Quickly. University of Colorado wins again. People betting were smart. 97% of sports books in the United States, money was coming in on the Colorado Buffaloes to beat Nebraska. They were a two and a half point home favorite. And Deion Sanders in Colorado, where, where their team, I don't think, played all that well. I will give them credit. Defensively, they, they started to stop the run better than they did in week one. But Nebraska had three first-half turnovers, a missed field goal. They were just stupid at all the wrong times. Their quarterback has been a disaster for the first two weeks. And what I can say about Colorado is Shador Sanders is truly – one of the best quarterbacks in college football. He's not Caleb Williams, but he's pretty damn good. 393 and two touchdowns. He also had a rushing touchdown in the game. Travis Hunter is is incredible. He's not he's great he's also a great wide receiver. Xavier Weaver had 10 for a buck 70. I like their tight end Harrison. I think he's going to play in the NFL. But the hype train continues. They are now the 18th ranked team in the country. And I love it. I do. I'm all about this. Dion's going to be Dion. He's going to do it his way. But it's working his way. And now they get Colorado State this week. And they're a 22 and a half point home favorite. Who would have thought that early in the season? They're going to win that game. They're going to be 3-0. And then they'll get their matchup with Oregon. Oregon, who barely avoided defeat on Saturday night, they win a close, close game with Texas Tech. They came down to the wire. Texas Tech fought them tooth and nail. Tyler Shuck played extremely well. In that game, he fought hard. I was watching that just before the UFC pay-per-view started. Back and forth. But credit to Bo Nix. Made some big plays when he had to. Franklin, Johnson, their wide receivers. Both can make plays. 
But the Red Raiders are 0-2 for the first time in a long time. But Oregon survives. They're now the 13th team ranked in the country. They they showed some weakness. Defensively, they give up you know, 174 yards rushing. Not a strength of their team. But they'll meet in two weeks. But the Colorado hype train continues. Utah escaped against Baylor with a late win, 20-13. With They put in their third-string quarterback. He gets a win. So that's important. He needed that. Notre Dame beats NC State. USC dominates Stanford. Caleb Williams just, again, another performance. You look at him and go, this is why you're going number one in the draft. USC's offense looks pretty damn good. They're they're elite. I just want to see them play somebody. A threatening team. That will come. The biggest result, however, of the weekend by far. Texas beats Alabama in Alabama. This was the first double-digit home loss for Nick State for Alabama since 2004. 2004. And this was a game that was close for a while, and then in the fourth quarter, it went away. Quinn Ewers was a better quarterback than Jalen Milrow. Texas was a better team than out. They made better decisions. They gambled on fourth down. Quinn Ewers threw the ball down the field accurately. Hit the tight end Sanders for a 50-yard pass. Hit Xavier Worthy for a 44. Hit uh, Adion Mitchell, who has won, won back-to-back national championships with Georgia for two touchdowns. He can throw a deep ball accurate, and this is why scouts are saying he could be a top 10 pick in the draft because he's got a good arm. He's in much better shape than he was last year. And they got some good players at Texas now. And you go into Tuscaloosa, the first time to win in Tuscaloosa since 2020 with Joe Burrow. Might have been 2019. It's been a minute. It's hard to win in Alabama, and they win by 10. I didn't think this was going to be a great year for Alabama. Three quarterbacks in training camp. You don't know which one you're going to start. And one was a transfer from Notre Dame who stunk last year. Same wide receiving core that you had the previous year that Bryce Young struggled to play with, and he kept you in games. I mean, Isaiah Bond, the guy you look at and go, he's your best receiver, he had one catch. But their offensive line wasn't great. Their defense had bits and had lulls in it at at points. And now Texas is the the fourth-ranked team in the country. They rocket up the rankings. And Alabama has to look and say, okay, we're 10th, but we just got rocked at home, and we haven't played any SEC teams yet. 
Lucky for them this year, that Texas team might be better than any SEC school other than Georgia. Because you look around, Florida's not very good. Ole Miss, I think if Michael Pratt plays for Tulane, Ole Miss doesn't win that game. Tennessee, I'm worried about them. They're 2-0, and but I'm ready for them to play a team. Joe Milton has not looked very good at quarterback. For that group, they miss Hendon Hooker. Mississippi State nearly lost to Arizona. Oof. I just don't think the SEC is as good as it used to be. LSU, they lost in week one to Florida State, and I think LSU is a better team than Alabama still. We look around college football. The Pac-12 is really good. The Pac-12 has UCLA, who are not ranked, who are 2-0, who have a true freshman starting at quarterback, who's a stud in Dante Moore. Three touchdowns on Saturday night. Can do everything, can scramble out of the pocket, can find guys down the field. UCLA has talent, and they got a good damn quarterback. They might not might not have a great year because the Pac-12 is loaded with Washington and Oregon and Oregon State and USC, but they're really good. Fresno State is 2-0. So it's, it's, it's difficult. Auburn is 2-0, but again, do I trust Auburn? No. They had 94 yards passing for the entire game against Cal, and they only won the game by four points. But to think Nebraska's ranked, Kansas State's in the top 15. Notre Dame is at nine. Penn State, who's seven, who's kind of the sleeping giant, because I think they get the best quarterback in, in the Big Ten. Better than Michigan, better than Ohio State. This weekend, you got big games. It's a little bit of a lesser slate. Florida State at Boston College. LSU at Mississippi State. Mississippi State is 2-0, so maybe that's a game that you should get up for. Penn State at the Illini. Let's see. South Carolina at Georgia. Minnesota at North Carolina. That's an, that's an interesting game. North Carolina... App State covered, like I thought, like I knew they would. Went to double overtime. North Carolina escapes with the win, but they get the Golden Gophers, who are two and zero. So you have an ACC Big Ten matchup. So that's a sneaky good game. You have this weekend. Washington at Michigan State. Washington's great. Michigan State's head coach Mel Tucker is suspended without pay currently because he. Ugh, some bad allegations. He sexually harassed a woman who was raped on campus. So he's he's in hot water. Michigan State, that whole program doesn't look good right now. Tennessee at Florida. It's interesting, I guess. Any other games? Like I said, not the best. Like Wyoming, Texas. Wyoming is 2-0. I'll give that game a look. And then, of course, Colorado is a draw. 
Colorado. It's 11, 11 o'clock tip, a kickoff, pardon me. But they, they got a good team down there. They got a good program, and they're interesting because of Dion. The UFC I'm going to keep till tomorrow because there's a lot to discuss there. But I'll wrap up today's show with tennis. Credit to Coco Golf and the summer of Coco. Win in Washington. Win in Cincinnati. Win the U.S. Open. She was out in the first round of Wimbledon. And through that disappointment, she goes on to win three of four events and then wins the, mo- and then wins the most important major to her in her home country. Defeating Arnia Sabalenka after dropping the first set. Did Sabalenka lose it mentally? Sure, but I don't care. You won the match. It's about winning. Sabalenka chose to lose. You chose to win. Coco Goff is a star. She's 19. She's well-spoken. She's a good interview. She's thoughtful. And... For U.S. US women to, to be great, to continue the lineage, I, it's not lost on me. She's black. Venus, Serena, it continues that lineage. She's not just going to win one major. Yes, the women's game is so crazy, and that's why it is as good, I think it's better, than the men. Because you don't know who's going to win. Because it's not Novak Djokovic where somebody can predict three months before the event who's going to win. Novak is the best tennis player of all time. Now men are women. I had Serena above him, but I have Djokovic even above Serena Williams now. But Serena Williams is the greatest female athlete of all time. I don't don't care. Olympics, take that shit away. It's about... She's the best female athlete of all time. But the women's game is, is crazy because you don't know who's going to win. It might be Sablanka. It might be Schwantek. It could be Sophia Kennan. could be Elena Ostapenko. People break through. But Coco Goff is 19. She's a star. And she's going to win more because she has the game to do it. She's 19 years old, and she loses the first set in a Grand Slam final, and she had more mental strength than Sabalenka. Let me reverse it there. Sabalenka lost it. Coco didn't. She was in the weak position. She was in, I'm losing the first set. I could break here. I'm 19. She did not. Credit to her. Her return of serve continues to improve. Her serve has already been great. Her ground strokes. Brad Gilbert, working with him, clearly has done wonders for her. She just can't lose her head. I don't think she's going to. I think she's got good family values. I think she's a 19-year-old that has a really good head on her shoulders. She knows who she is. There's nothing more important than life, in my opinion. Know who you are and know who you're not. It's awesome. Awesome moment. Her running up to her family. Seeing the, If you haven't seen this video, there's a video of her when she was like 10 years old at the U.S. Open. Dancing. 
She's just watching up in the nosebleeds. It's an amazing video. Go find it. Social media somewhere. Djokovic beats Medvedev. Great. It was entertaining. That second set was phenomenal yesterday. High-quality tennis. The Medvedev-Carlos match was better, quite frankly. But Medvedev loses to Djokovic again. He said, you know, the fact that I get to these finals against Djokovic is something else. He's a good player. Medvedev is. Like a lot of these guys, you're in an era with Novak Djokovic and Federer for a little bit. You're not going to win. Novak's got 24. I used to think maybe he'll end up with 25. He's going to get to 30. That's my prediction. I think he gets 30-plus Grand Slam titles. And it'll never be touched again. Because why wouldn't he be the favorite in Australia? Why wouldn't he be the favorite at the French? Wimbledon. Carlos's worst surface. Carlos beat him there, but... The only real threat he has is Carlos because nobody's proved that they can overcome him. Sinner's good, Medvedev's good, but they can't beat him in a Grand Slam final. Carlos has. Carlos needs to continue to improve, to continue to not put so much tax on him when he gets to these Grand Slam finals. So he has a chance of beating Novak. Till that, Novak's the best player in the world. He's number one today. He's got 24 Grand Slams. He'll be the favorite in Australia. I think he gets 30-plus when he also, when he's all said and done because I don't think he's retiring anytime soon. I think he wants to be Brady. I think he wants to be these all-time greats, LeBron, who play into their 40s. At a high level, still the best at what he does. And all these guys are still going to have to deal with him. You might think, oh, he's retiring. We can finally win one. I don't know. There's no more COVID vaccine shit anymore unless Trudeau uh, implements it and old Uncle Joe start making, putting us, having masks on again and new rules and all more bullshit. But unless that happens, he's going to be allowed in the United States. He's going to be allowed in Paris. He's going to be allowed in Australia. He's going to be allowed in the UK. So if they let him in the door, he's going to be the favorite to win. He would have 27 or 28 already if there wasn't a goddamn pandemic. Quote unquote. I don't think it's going to happen again. So I don't think science is not going to stop him from winning this time around. What a weekend. It was awesome. It was awesome. We're going to keep the UFC for tomorrow because the UFC was great. And I want to give it the proper respect and go through it all with you all tomorrow. We're going to recap. Monday Night Football. We will talk about the baseball weekend and an important series starting this evening between the Texas Rangers and the Toronto Blue Jays. The Blue Jays swept the Royals. They're now in the second wild card spot. Seattle's trailing them, and the Rangers are still in the mix. Houston is leading the American League West. So that'll be a race the entire year. The Braves were the first team to clinch a playoff spot. The Orioles got to 90 wins. So we'll talk about that coming up uh, tomorrow on the program. Enjoy Bills, Jets tonight and the start of the Aaron Rodgers era in New York. Until then, take it easy. Talk to you tomorrow. Just to the point.